Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. Because the lived experience is obviously very unique in the way that it kind of is, is approached, but at the same time, you need to balance that off with you know the resources and the proper research. And we've had it reviewed by every man and his dog, um, un, you know, mental health professionals, all from the whole spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, cultural anthropologists, every, yeah. like everyone we, yeah. we wanted to look at. It. And then, yeah, but then things like intentional peer support, um, you know, trauma, uh, trauma-informed trauma care, yeah. all of these spaces, these are, they're influencing the training. Yeah. But we don't necessarily do full pullouts and cutouts and, and stick it in the training. Great to be back with you here, as always. At least once a week, I'm asked about the business model behind Humans of Purpose. The answer is that as a social enterprise, we rely on a handful of sponsored episodes each year to fund all our operations. About one-fifth of our podcasts annually are paid for by sponsors and promotional partners, which enables the rest of the year's content to be run sponsorship-free and totally independent. Our books are now closed for 2022, but if you have a values-aligned product or service and want to reach our senior professional audience of Australian changemakers, of whom about 10,000 listeners tune in per month, we'd love to hear from you. Our wonderful supporter base here ensures we are regularly in the top 20 charts of the Australian management podcast section. Not a bad result from an independent podcast competing against nearly 3 million other podcasts hearing globally. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome James Hatchman to the podcast. James is the CEO and co-founder of Voice of Health, a preventive mental health organization that has developed a mobile app enabling people to connect with trained active listeners and a range of well-being tools enabling better self-management of mental health. I've been looking forward to this one for a while, and this follows us trying to connect in person and finally doing so pre, mid, and post-pandemic. I hope you enjoy my conversation with James as much as I did. So good to be here with you, Hatch. It's taken us some time to make this happen. COVID, my forgetful memory, um, rain and significant weather events have not stopped us this time. How the hell are you? Very, very well. It's uh, it's a long time coming, so I'm very happy to be here after, <laughs> after yes, what? Two and a half years or something. Yeah, like I mean, what a what a um, you talk about like people playing phone or email tag. You're, you're persistent, and I love that. And, <laughs> and, and I also, I sort of remembered many times. Oh, I really do want to talk to this guy. Why isn't this happening? And then you know, you know, I think things that are meant to be often work themselves out. So absolutely, here we, are. we needed to go through these two and a half years to, yes. to make this conversation that, even that's richer. Just, that's our journey, James. That's, that's, that's our journey. That's it. We're on together. <laughs> <laughs> so I am like really keen to hear about um, Voices of Health. Being interested for a long time in your work and I think it's very impactful and interesting. I think a good place to start is your journey and sort of what compelled you in your own life to to start uh, Voices for Health. Yeah. Uh, oh, of health, rather. Voice of health. Yeah. Voice of health. That's okay. Don't stress. Um, yeah, so it's it was a bit of a combination of things. I, I, I always obviously start with the, the personal side around what the motivation there was. Um, for myself and my co-founder, we really 
wanted to do something. We wanted to start an organization, but we wanted to do something that was going to be, you know, have a, a proper social impact, you know, be good for the community and actually um, originally landed in the health space. But when we really did a lot of workshopping around what we were most passionate about, that's when our you know lived experience with mental health as well um, and the identification that there was an enormous gap in that space was really what motivated us because we found that every time we spoke about it, we were like, it all comes back to this mental health side of things and how can we do it in a preventative way? So um, my, I guess, most prominent lived experience was certainly um, supporting uh, loved ones through uh, their own uh, struggling uh, mental health situations. That would be my most prominent. You know, we all have our moments for ourselves, but I think as far as the part that was the most motivating for me was was that uh, seeing loved ones needing that assistance. You were caring for loved ones who were experiencing uh, mental health issues? Yeah, yep. absolutely, absolutely. So, That's um, tough. Yeah, and immediate family and then also, you know, seeing it in friends as well. And so I was like, oh, that was kind of – a big motivation for me. And then certainly for Luke, who, uh, who was my uh, co-founder, um, he, he had his most prominent lived experience was what he was going through. And so we kind of used to say that we represent two sides of the same coin in that sense. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So both sides of ex- lived experience and those supporting those with lived experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what kind of um, insights did you draw from um, your own experience and from Luke's? Yeah. So for my own, I think it was, it was interesting. People often say, oh, like when you go traveling, you learn things. And it was weird. I had this kind of, I remember uh, when I was away one time overseas and I was thinking about my family and what they were going through at the time and not being there. And I was, there was this transition point where I went because my siblings are both younger than me and they were the ones that I was often supporting. Um, was that they went, oh, my God, they don't need a th- another parent. They need an older brother. And what does a good older brother do? And it was, well, he listens. He does it without judgment. You know, he really, you know, provides that. You know, we're peers at the end of the day. And so I think that's kind of where we ended up getting into Voice of Health around the peer support, which is around how do we empathise with with someone and so how do we create a space where they can share. And so for Luke, that was the exact same thing. His um, original experience with mental health became that I guess here it's that old a burden shared is a burden halved type yeah thing. I love that quote his um and so he he actually opened up and you know he'd been missing events and things like that and through from his anxiety and so then when he finally opened up and shared that that was what the most powerful thing for him was he went suddenly people went yeah man I've got the same thing I experience I understand that and that was just that huge weight off his shoulders to share it and so I think that's kind of how it amalgamated into like what what voice of health is doing yeah, no, that's that's really fascinating, and I think isn't it? It's just interesting how our, our own experiences can really compel us to action. But not many people will go and start a uh, <laughs> yeah a company or a social business around that. So yeah, that's that's unique. Um, there must it. have been um, there must so there comes a point at which um, sort of. Um, Passion and compulsion meets market need. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Passion and compulsion meets market need. You know, like, no, I like you it. feel like there's something missing, but Absolutely. you also need to validate that. So what was the journey like around um, deciding what the um, change would be that you'd make? Yeah, it was – look, we've we, we have, we've pivoted a lot, not and some more major than others. And so, yeah, I, I often say to people like – because, you know, there's a lot of startups that, you know, they'll start straight away and then they'll be, you know, kicking goals and, and going uh, along – pretty well very quickly but for us um due to the i guess unpredictability of humans i think we had to learn so much about the space and there's so so much richness because there are so many things that you just don't think of or behaviors you don't expect and so for us we really had to kind of that you know the people always say you got to know your customer right well what if 
you know, if, what if you're rather than dealing with demographics, you're now dealing with psychographics where you're going, well, what if, I've, you know, anyone could have depression? So then how do we actually mould it to find out where the biggest need is? And so, yeah, it was hard. Um, I think originally we, you know, like anyone, we wanted to do all the bells and whistles and do everything. But when we kind of got down to the core of it, that was kind of the biggest pivot was actually shredding away some of the stuff that was, you know, taking away from the, the common uh, goal, which was to really provide that empathetic support for people who needed it. And so a, a big question in my mind, I mean, it, it makes total sense to me, but why an online solution and a tech solution versus an in-person solution? Yeah, it's. it's I, I think that's, well, I mean, people often say, oh, what a great time for, co-, you know, during COVID. And I was like, well, we've actually existed from before COVID. So we that's thought- why, about, That's why I asked, because I, yeah. I, I know it's not in response to COVID. So. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, so it's, for, I think one thing we've always tried to make sure we didn't do was we never wanted to take a mechanical approach to a human issue. We wanted, we always wanted to take a human approach to a human issue aided by technology. So we went, okay, um, how do we leverage both human lived experience and technology to provide something that is scalable? Because the biggest issue people are facing is that there are so many barriers to seek support and, you know, how do we provide equitable access? So I, we went, well, the only way to really do that on at scale is through technology and so we went well, how let's create something that is scalable and so mm-hmm. uh, you know i often say we're only a seed of what we want to become because what we are now is just the, the initial learnings but we have huge plans for what we want it to become but the technology was yeah keeping it scalable but i think making sure that we were always human focused so that's why I guess we ended up with that kind of two-sided marketplace with the users and the active listeners. And we went, well, how do we connect them and really f- what can we do to help facilitate meaningful human connections uh, between people rather than, you know. And obviously the online um, solution is very good, a two-sided platform and, and a match marketplace is sort of an ideal tech solution to a, to a human it, problem. It, right? it makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. It makes total sense. So you've answered that really well. I appreciate it. Thank Sma- you. Smash that one. So I get that. Um so what are the limitations then of the drawbacks? Um, d- did you envisage that it would be hard to sort of elicit that empathy and get that connection going online? Yeah, it's it, one of the, I guess the first limitations we identified was that there wasn't really any kind of training or upskilling out there that we were happy enough with to just use kind of as the basis for all our active listeners to then provide support. So a huge amount of our effort went into developing the training that we do um, so that we can try and upskill people. And even, you know, I want to grow that even further um, to make it even better and better and better. But I guess that was one of the biggest limitations was that you it's you have to both, you know, upskill people to be able to utilise their lived experience in a proper way so that they can not only look after the person that they're talking to but also themselves I think is a big part of that. So it's... Yeah, I think that would be one of the biggest limitations initially and uh, in in the nicest way possible, everyone expects mental health work often to be done for free in a lot of this space, um, which is not from necessarily, you know, from your telehealth side of things or with psychologists and professionals, but certainly in the space that we're in, a lot yeah. of it is expected to be Mental done health counselling is often government funded or, or whatnot, referral based. Yeah, and it's, it's more than just like when, you know, we get we get looked at as like a, Cha- free service. As a free service yeah. or as a charity yeah. is, is one of the more things. People that, would think you're like Beyond Blue online, you know, just talk to Absolutely. Someone. Yeah. And, yeah, so we've always tried to make sure we steer clear of kind of being lumped into that because we are a profit-for-purpose organisation yep. because we do really believe that if we can create a sustainable business, we can be far more scalable than any organisation that requires that constant funding. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking uh, for impact at scale, you need to make money. 
Absolutely. And yeah, and I think that the, the, a lot of people go, oh, well, if you're a profit business, then how could you be really truly doing good in the oh, world? Oh, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, that's yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I, I've been doing it for a long time and not making any money. So I also think it's, it's just a total mis, misnomer, a lack of understanding when, when people say the word not-for-profit all not-for-profits need to make surpluses to survive. Absolutely. Uh, they function very similar ways to yeah. for-profits. They just have different stakeholder obligations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did you consider being a social enterprise or you, you've preferred the profit-for-purpose model? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've kind of toyed with both both terms in that sense. Um, as, as you're totally free to do. Yeah, and it's it's like I would say we, we, we kind of are a social enterprise yeah. in that sense, but I do often say profit for purpose because especially at the moment we're actually looking to try and raise capital. So yep. that language needs to be embedded in what we do because they, it's important to communicate that, yes, we want to have this enormous impact. You can do that impact. also. You could do that as a social enterprise. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's kind of just, well, we just want to really make sure that messaging is clear. Messaging is clear that that's what we want to achieve, that there is a very viable business underneath this yep. as well as having an incredible impact. That's really well said. So in practice, are there things that popped up in terms of the two-sided platform that you didn't anticipate, like the, the kind of unknown unknowns? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are some of the like most interesting uh, problems that um, you had to solve to get this going well? A lot of, a lot of it was like uh, – because my background's in user experience design as well, and so a lot of it was like just not – like just – humans behaving in ways you just never expected. Like I had, I had every day of my life. Like, why is this human doing that? Uh, I don't understand. Totally. Totally. Like yeah. we would have like, you know, little things. I mean, there's the, anywhere from big to little, but like small things could be like, I never expected a person to come onto our app. And when we had, I think 75 active listeners at the time, and they decided they would try and start a conversation with every single active listener at once. <laughs> so hilarious. 75 individuals. And I was like... This person wanted an audience. Absolutely. And I was like, I didn't realise that... Like, it's just, I mean, it, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, of course we should account for that because someone might do that. Yep. But it was just all those little moments where we were like, oh, okay. Oh, and then we just had to kind of like make get all those learnings. And I think risk mitigation was also a big learning. Yep. So going... Because one of the biggest things is people go, well, if you're in the preventative space, what happens if someone you're, that your active listener is talking to transitions into crisis? Yep. So an enormous amount of work went into the stuff behind the scenes yeah. in order to make sure that that happens, that that person has the correct referral pathways and we have partnerships with yep. organisations we can send people to. So, yeah. That so was stuff like that. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, you said a, a problem shared is a, a problem halved. I wonder if a, a problem shared with 75 people is... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Actually. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, that's probably that's true. <laughs> maybe that's what that person was thinking. Yeah, took that, the expression. That's their strategy. A bit too far. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's quite interesting. So, in terms of where the app sort of fits into the the mental health continuum, you're in the prevention, early intervention, or yeah. acute. Really, yeah, really in the early yeah. intervention and prevention side of things. Yeah, I think for us, one of the earliest things we wanted to do was we went well. You know, uh, everyone knows that stat: one in five people will suffer from mental health concern. Yep. Um, but people forget the second part of that, which is that seventy percent of those people won't seek treatment due to a lack of barriers. It's true. And one of those is um, either not wanting to be a burden on the current system, or feeling like the leap from suffering in silence to seeking full-on psychological support is far too large, or that they don't fit into that subjects. Yeah. So, so how can we reduce the steps? So, even if it means that they do end up actually needing acute care. Well, if we could be the difference between them not seeking support and getting used to speaking to someone about it and yeah. then from there transitioning into something more um, you know, acute or more specialised, 
then that then we've still done our job. It's like we don't necessarily need to keep everyone. Yeah. We, it's kind of that any door entry approach, yep. uh, which I think is so important in this. Very this, accessible. Absolutely. And it's like, and that's why I always say that the mental health industry was one thing we learned was it's not always as collaborative as you would think. Oh, it's, um, it's definitely more competitive than you would hope. Patchwork of uh, different fiefdoms and uh, structures and systems. It's a, I wouldn't call it a mess, but I'd certainly say it's not as joined up or collaborative as it could be. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, it's, it's, I always think it's like it's not like there's ever going to be a shortage of business. No. You know what I mean? It's like humans keep popping out every day and we're going to keep on having struggles. It's not a zero-sum game. No, absolutely. And it's, and it's, and it's like it's recession-proof. It's, we're humans. We're always going to need it anywhere from you know, preventative all the way down to crisis. You know, it's, we're always going to need that assistance. It's not going anywhere. So why not collaborate? And so active listening is a sort of core part of your offering that mm-hmm. I, I hadn't, like, I know what active listening is. Mm-hmm. I try and do it. <laughs> On a podcast, yeah, it's probably, well, a, good, probably a good skill to have. I try to do it in my life. Yeah. Um, it's, I think listening, I, I always sort of like the expression that, um, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth, so you should probably listen double the amount of time that you talk at mm-hmm. least. Um, and when you listen, you should really listen mm. and be in the moment and be tuned to what the other person's saying. So... How is that different from what, you know, a typically trained counsellor, sort of psychotherapist, psychologist, mental health counsellor would do? And how does that sort of flow into your system where the people doing that active listening mm. are not credentialed uh, or trained people? Yeah. So, yeah, and it's interesting. I think it's like it's so the skill of active listening is is performed by my active listeners, let's call it, all the way up to your psychiatrist. Like they, they should all be yeah. – you know, Absolutely, Im- employing um, active listening as part of their practice. But as far as the role of an active listener and how that differs, it is, it's, you know, there is no expectation. We're not diagnosing people. We're not necessarily even giving advice. Uh, a lot of active listening is just around, um, you know, someone being there on the other side of the phone, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And just literally understanding how to craft thoughtful questions and build trust with a person, um, you know, really dive deep into what are their motivations and perspectives and, and, and use those questions to help maybe shift the way that they're looking at something. And it's, it's not about, you know, dishing out advice. It, it is exactly like you said, you know, it's, it is around the listening, not the, not the talking type mm-hmm. side of things. So, you know, I have active listeners who've come back and gone, oh, my God, I got the, you know, greatest piece of, you know, feedback from this user that I was talking to. And they said I was one of the best listeners they'd ever spoken to. And my active listener goes, you know, I don't really know what I did. I mean, I'm not even 100% sure I was I was super helpful. And I said, okay, well, tell me what you did. And they were like, well, I kind of just showed an interest and kept asking questions. And they kept telling me things. And I just kept asking. And I was like, it sounds like you did an amazing job as an active listener because that person felt safe enough to share that and talk it through. And you, you know, and I say thought, craft a thoughtful question because it does require, you know, an, you know, a deeper intent to try and understand someone. Yeah. Um, and I think a big thing with active listening is that it, it's, it treats everyone as a human. Yeah. It, it, there's no, although we have, we have like things like supporting areas so that you can connect based on lived experience, active listening really, you'll, you won't see anywhere in our training that it says like, this is how to deal with someone who has anxiety. It's like active listening is just for humans. It's, you know, do I have the right intent when I'm speaking to this person? How do I build trust with them? How yep. do I communicate with them if they're not within my peer group and things like that? So, so do these active listeners go through your training to, to be part of the system? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of it. So it's, it's not only a skills I, an upskilling, I guess, but it's also, um, I, I call it an in, intent screening because we break it down into a self-paced part of the training and then also we run a webinar uh, every Thursday at 7 o'clock. There'll be one tonight. Um, Looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that is kind of a, a part of the 
partly to upskill them in the in the webinar, but it's also to really make sure that they understand the kind of key concepts of active listening and that they're there for the right reason. Because yes, people can come and you know do our training and not become an active listener on our app as well. So we just so if they're not quite at that level, we then work with them to try and build them up to that point where they understand truly what the role of an active listener yep. is. Because some people do see it as like a client that they're talking to, and mm. it's like, well, it's actually not. It's it's that peer-to-peer space that we're dealing with, actually. And so what's the opposite of active listening? Oh, what's the opposite of active listening? Strike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steerite! Well, how am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. That's a, that's tough. No one's ever asked me that actually. How, what, well, I would say there's a, there's a few things. I mean, people often, oh, what's the opposite of active? I've listening? got someone in my family who. Yeah. Um, I'm trying would, to think of a title for it, is what I'm trying yeah, to think. Yeah. But I, I can see it. Well, let's do an example without a title. So you'll, this person will just, I don't want to say be too specific in case family members are listening, figure out who it is, but that this person will just barrage questions after questions after questions. Mm. And you can tell they're not listening because each question is kind of like, Ram, it's just like it's kind of like their way of showing interest in you is just to like pelt you with questions mm. until they feel like they're getting information they're interested in. Interesting, yeah, interesting. Or like they're that's how they know to communicate. Mm-hmm. And you you can also tell this with other people when they're not active listening, when they they've got quite a busy mind, or they they're not able to focus well. Mm-hmm. You just can sort of sense that people. Um, have like a lot ticking over in their head mm. and you can tell that they're just a bit raced and pressured and sort of how they relate to you and they might not be responding directly to what you're saying. Or, totally. you know, I notice that um, I've got some family members who are, you know, very high-functioning, high-powered people who are very busy and very smart, very intellectual, but when you talk to them, it's just way too quick. Mm. And you're getting the next question before you're getting a reflection on the answer. Yeah, interesting. So that's how I know that somebody's not active listening. Yeah, um, I like that. And it's it's sort of more transactional. And I think actually if you think about the talking that we do every day, mm. I wonder what percentage of it naturally embraces principles of active listening. Yeah, it's, it's I'd say it's a small amount. It's a small amount because well, we, we, we talk about like the different levels of listening, which is around like, like the most basic one that we do as a default is like downloading listening, which yeah. is where we listen based on our pre-confirmed judgments of what we think the situation is. And that type of listening you're talking about sounds exactly like that. That person is giving you a barrage of questions and what they're doing is they're just asking, continuously asking questions to try and find one that yeah. sits within the mental that's framework sort of, that they fit That's into, exactly right. So, as opposed to acknowledging you. Like yeah. they could essentially ask those questions to anyone. It could be an avatar. It could it, be anything. Yeah, it could exactly. be a chair. Yeah. It doesn't matter for some people. They would just ask exactly the same mm. questions and the same methodology. And I think part of what I really like about this format um, we've both got headphones on. We're both here together. Yep. There's really no other distraction. Mm. So the only default mode is active listening. Absolutely. I, that's why I enjoy the most of our podcast as well is that like <laughs> you can't help but listen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. And uh, the ones that I think that are particularly good are the ones where the host is clearly active listening. Mm. 
and they're not just pelting through, you know, an agenda or whatever. Totally. Let it, it, that's why I think the free-flowing nature sometimes is good, and that takes experience, though. Which yeah. Oh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I haven't told you about my journey where, um, you know, the first... I was going to say, what, yeah, first episode, what was it like? Oh, man, the first 50 episodes of Humans of Purpose, I'd never done any podcasting or broadcasting or audio before. Mm. I just thought I'll give it a go. So what we used to do is <laughs> people have heard me tell this, tell this story a lot. It's very embarrassing. Oh. I used to do a run sheet of like um, like mm. 10 questions and then send it to the person before the conversation started, make sure they're okay, they wanted to do any edits. Then we would just go through the questions. Yeah. It was so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. No, I, I know the format. I've, I've been you understand? part of that type of format yeah. before. Can you understand how I thought that would be a good idea? Yeah, like, oh, 100%. Yeah, the guest feels comfortable, like yeah. they don't know you, you know, yeah. they know. Because, you know, when you deal with politicians especially, um, mm. most of them will ask for that. Mm. They'll ask for questions in advance. Totally. So, just I won't have people on the podcast no matter what sphere they're from if they ask for questions in advance because I don't want to have a pre known conversation. Absolutely. It's not interesting for either of us and there'll be very little active listening. Yeah. Well, structure equals – often people think structure equals safety. Yeah, them. well, it does. And so that's the thing is yeah. that they're kind of afraid to have it on the yeah. spot, but it's but people want to hear – I think that's where the most most successful podcasts have been is that – Yeah. And, and you're a testament to this is that the free-flowing nature where it feels like a natural conversation yeah. is better rather than like – you know, you could have. You know, if you send me the question, yeah, yeah. I'll just record it and you do, and just send it back well, to you. How bored would you be? Would you so be excited bored. coming here? No, not at no, all. I, I wouldn't be excited coming to meet you at the door. To be honest, no, um, you know I'm happy already. Well, I'm, I'm happy you're here now because it's not all planned. Like what I think, what I figured out is that once people know you and you've got enough runs on the board and you start to trust yourself, you mm. can be a great active listener mm. and you don't have to rely on structure as much. Absolutely, you, you can trust yourself that you'll know what are the what is the good question to ask at mm. the right time and. That's that's also a skill. Um, and I'm sure you, you in your training would cover a bit of that, like, you know, what is the right time? Like how do you ask a kind of mm-hmm. a, a probing question or yep. when's the right time just to say, yes, that's quite interesting. And Absolutely, yeah. And we, we talk about how to use like minimal encouragers, yep. things like that, um, understanding, yeah, certainly how to ask questions is a big one. And one of my favourite things that we discovered from that is that there was a stat that came out which is that on uh, on average we give ourselves 30% less time to respond to others than we would give them to respond to us. <laughs> and so we, we actually naturally rush ourselves and so that's a big part of active listening is just yeah. going like, hey, take a breath. Do you ever play with that, like with people? Absolutely. I do too. I quite like it. Um, You know, I I have a lot of conversations now outside of uh, this in partnerships, mentoring, other other things that I do. And um, I'm quite interested in like um, intentional silences to create space for more fluid kind of authentic interaction. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to fill space all the time, just leave it open and sort of see – what happens? It can get awkward. Like you don't want to have a silent standoff. Absolutely. But you don't want that. Yeah. Do we want to do one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I don't think it'll last very long. I'll give you 30%. You'll give me 60%. I'll give you 90%. It will just yeah. it will spin out of control. <laughs> um, no, but it, uh, look, I think it's it, it's interesting. And so the training that you do for, for active listening, is that validated or research evidence-based? or what's Yeah, that? so we've, we've, we've that was a really big thing for us, I think, yeah. especially, and it was one of the things we learned when we first came into the mental health space was that like, you can because the lived experience is obviously very unique in the way that it kind of is, is approached, but at the same time you need to balance that off with you know the resources and the proper research. And we've had it reviewed by 
every man and his dog, um, and, you know, mental health professionals, all from the whole spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, cultural anthropologists, every, yeah. like everyone we, yeah. we wanted to look at. It. And then, yeah, but then things like intentional peer support, um, you know, trauma, uh, trauma-informed care, yeah. all of these spaces, these are, they're influencing the training. Yeah. But we don't necessarily do full pullouts and cutouts and, and stick it in the training. It's we really wanted, we were like, essentially informed by those uh, resources to make it as best as possible. But we've, yeah, I mean, even like our intent section where we talk about the the concept of understanding intent, you know, that's not actually from any mental health um, resources. That's actually from a Harvard Business School study that was done. Around- well, that's cool. I mean, interdisciplinary research is fantastic. I mean, we should yeah. be taking wisdom for, from wherever we can find it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we were just like, well, we don't want just – because uh, maybe not the esoteric journal of like uh, past, <laughs> you know, which sciences, but yeah. you know, the HBR and that kind of stuff. The mm. Management theory is very interesting. Absolutely, know? absolutely, and that's why we wanted, yeah, so many different people to have a look at it. Because the more independent thinkers that look at it, the more perspectives we get, the better it is. Yeah. Um, because if it was just mental health people, then they would only ever see it through a mental health scope, and then people who are not from that space may not relate to it as well. Yeah. Know? And so, for an active listener, or for in your view, in terms of like a, mm-hmm. an exchange between somebody on the app and an active listener, what 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 does success look like? What's the successful outcome, or how, how would the active listener know that it's been a um, a good exchange? Yeah. So there's. I think, well, to know between, like, in terms of the actual interaction between the two of them, I think it's the success looks like that user feeling like they can, because it is an ongoing connection, unlike a lot of other services. Oh, okay, that's good. So it's actually not a one-off interaction. So you're linked with the same active listener? Yeah, you continue to talk to them uh, over and over. So that's, it makes our you know user retention rates very hard to calculate because yep. not everyone wants to talk every day or every month yep. or every week. You know, Some people talk once a month and things like that, but I think it would be... Um, yeah, establishing a really safe, ongoing uh, connection with a, with a with an active listener, where they feel like at any point that they need it, that person's there. And it, and that's the funny thing is that sometimes success comes for us not even from necessarily the conversation happening, but just that user knowing that when they do need someone, that person is there for them to talk yeah, to. Yeah, of course. And that, that's hard to measure too, isn't it? So hard to measure. And so that's why we like, we have a feedback system yeah. and things like that. And we do get feedback come back from our, our listeners. Because you've, you've got an app. I mean, can you know whether somebody's deleted the app or not? Yeah, absolutely. We can we can see if they've deleted. We can see like average engagement. We actually have a one of the things we're most proud of is um, our average app engagement session time. Yeah. So it's twice as high as any other platforms um, that are similar to ours. Yeah. In, because unless it's obviously one of the ones that is like telemedicine, where, yep. they, where you book in for a specific amount of time. Mm. Um, but for the for any app that we're in the same industry and also within actually we compared it to the social media apps as mm. well we actually are still twice as much as some of those as well yeah it's awesome which is incredible considering like we doom scroll for days yeah. on those apps so yeah the average session time at the finger moment is like 25 minutes well I think I think you know for me I noticed that if I don't want something there for the rainy day situation or I, I don't foresee mm. a future intended use, I'll just delete an app pretty mm. quickly. Yep. So I would have thought a good measure of success on what you said before is how long do people keep the app or keep not the delete the app for. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I need to put more, more weight into that as a stat. Oh, but. no, that's just my – that's just for me. That, that's my perception of maybe, you know, the things that are really important you want to mm. keep there. And like, yeah, I think absolutely. Because um, people are very quick to delete apps now, I think. And, oh, absolutely. You know, that the app store is full of junk. 
junk and you don't totally you use it for seven everywhere. days and then you don't use yeah. it anymore. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. You could really spend all your time just trialing all these crazy new apps that come out and then just deleting them instantly. Absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't be a great use of time. No, probably not. Probably not super productive. <laughs> um, and so what do you sort of think about as measures of success overall for, for voices of health? Yeah, I think sort of impact it, outcomes. Yeah, impact measurement is such a big, such a big one. I mm. think for us, if we can, I mean, the cool thing about being a two sided marketplace is that even just the natural growth of our community, yeah, that's a measure of is success. a really good measure of success. Yeah. Um, I would say, and because you're tech as well, you've got all the like natural inbuilt measures of success, like session time and whatever. A- you say. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 usually the kind of biggest um, increaser. But I think for us, yeah. What we currently do now, I guess, you know, feedback is really the biggest measurement of success and also, you know, some of the data that we can get out of it. But um, I guess moving into the future, it would be, yeah, once we interact, like integrate a lot of the technology and things that we want to, I think they will give us a much better insight because I, in the nicest way possible, I do think that there are some, not to say fabricated, it's not the right word, um, Empty stats. Oh, there's out lots there. of. Um, I call them vanity metrics. Vanity. That's a way better way than empty stats. I love that. It's very uh, spicy and pretentious. Vanity metrics. We're in Cremorne, mate. You got to yeah, step up. Vanity metrics. God, I say it in the hallway. That's say awesome. it in the hallway when we step out of here. Oh, just get rid of your vanity metrics crap. Love that. Absolutely love that. <laughs> that's vanity metrics for me is um, usually quant metrics over qual metrics a lot of the time. Absolutely. So what do people say about the quality of something versus? Oh, we had a thousand people come on, you know, today, yesterday. Like, I mean, that yeah. stuff does matter with apps, of yeah. course, but. Um, um, much more interested in people's experience and, totally. and what what changes, like you know, what is the most significant change they get from their experience with your intervention yeah. or product or absolutely. And and that's I think that we spend a lot, uh, quite a bit of our time. Like if we ever f- speak to someone and we maybe they haven't had the best experience or the experience they expected, yeah, we will be more than happy to dedicate an enormous amount of time to getting that person to have the experience they originally wanted or find them. Like I've, I've worked with people who didn't end up even using our app, but because it wasn't for them, but we've then worked really closely with them to find them exactly what they wanted. And then now that, you know, we've had an impact, it'll never show up in the app, but we've had a positive impact because we've, we've been able to help that person. Yeah. Either way. And so how do you report on impact at the moment? Do you do case studies and stuff or? Yeah, where we can. Metrics? I mean, there's a, there's an element of kind of scaled anonymity to, yep. the, to what we do. Yeah, of course. So we do, uh, it, a lot of our case study stuff comes from interacting with active listeners and seeing yep. what their experience has been like mm-hmm. and they can report back to us, making sure it's, you know, things like de-identified and things like that because we do have to be obviously mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, a lot of people think we're only Australia. We actually, I checked the other day, we're in 65 countries now. That's amazing. Which is crazy. Uh, I'm sure there's just like a couple, like 20 countries that are just one person, but it's still something. We um, have our first Kazakhstan. Uh, yeah. No, did you say, you say Kazakhstan. No, we actually, have an actual first. You have a Kazakhstan. I, I, just recently I was checking what, like, what are the most random ones. I have someone from Iraq, I have someone from Kazakhstan, and then I had someone from Morocco just joined. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you I, are like very global. Yeah, it's it's and it's. I'm always fascinated by how people find us. You, as well. you kind of have to go to Kazakhstan now on a research trip. Absolutely, you'll uh, find Borat. Right. You'll find this person. It'll <laughs> yeah. be amazing. Oh, I would go in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'd love to. I haven't been it's the home of uh, unfiltered potassium. It'll be a great trip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm losing the plot. It's about no. four thirty on a Thursday. Um, no, that's really that's interesting. Um, yeah, it just reminds me of like sometimes look at the the podcast charts and we use this app called Pod Status that will tell you kind of where you are mm-hmm. in global charts and yeah, yeah. 
you know, I think we came at one point we made the top 50 of the uh, Liechtenstein uh, management charts and there, there's probably like cool. 40 people in Liechtenstein and yeah. like they're all in management. That's <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know. Hey, you, but you're killing well, it. You're absolutely killing it. Definitely got to put that in the prospectus, you know, killing it in Liechtenstein yeah, yeah. if anyone's yeah. got interest there. I love that. Most people are doing like export marketing <laughs> yeah. into like yeah. US and UK. You're like, no, we are specifically, specifically targeting Liechtenstein. We're Australia and Liechtenstein. That's the awesome. Two, the two most common countries. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's funny. We're actually, you know what the funny, actually speaking of random locations where we're big, we're randomly big in Florida. Oh, maybe Melbourne, Florida. Maybe that's a, a keyword. Mix, oh, mix true. Yeah. Just had that true. today because we were looking up um, axe throwing places in Richmond because we're going to have like a team, yeah, yep, team yep. day. Um, like Maniacs, is that one? Yeah, that one. Yep. Cool. Shout out to Maniacs. Guess there we just go. did that. Sorry, I don't know if you know, <laughs> I don't know if we do. <laughs> Not sponsors yet. Not yet. Um, it's but, good fun though. Oh, I can't wait. I hope no one dies. Um, but no, it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, they, when I was doing the search for axe throwing Richmond, I was like, oh, this looks good. Oh, wait, it's in, um, I think it's VA. What's VA? Is that Virginia? Yep, I think so. so. Richmond, Virginia is Richmond, like the Virginia. biggest hit. And I'm like, nah, it's too far. Too far. Probably Rich, Richmond, yeah. Melbourne. For yeah. a, Better. Yeah, just for access. Better for team stuff. Far. Yeah. yeah, the flights might be a bit much. I reckon that's it, though. The Florida thing might be Melbourne. Melbourne that's Florida. so true. I had never thought about that. I have only thought of it because sometimes when you're on American websites and you're trying to enter Melbourne, they default to Florida. And it's yeah. like, no, no. But how did they find, like, yeah, I wonder why they were searching Melbourne, though. Because Maybe they digital. saw that you're. Like it could be through LinkedIn, keywords. Oh, true, 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 true. Anyway, this is this is like getting way off track. Sorry. Yeah. Getting into also, just one keyword. thing on axe throwing. Yeah. If you're expecting to go and just let out all of your anger on an axe, doesn't work. What do you mean? Yeah, it's technique. It's all technique. Oh, well, yeah, I'm going to cancel that's, that's the most disappointing part about axe throwing is you're just like, yeah. oh, you kind of expect it to be like one of those break rooms, <laughs> but it's not. I've yeah. done the break room. I find the break room a little bit too angry. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. then maybe axe throwing is – yeah, because axe throwing you kind of just want to – you want a medium kind of – You want to pelt it, but yeah. it's it's so technique that, like, people put you to shame. You, like, throw it hard and then it does nothing, <laughs> and then you throw it soft and it's like a bullseye, and you're like, that's so depressing. <laughs> I hope it's as good and not as challenging as you talked up. We'll soon find out. Yeah, so, yeah, report back to me. <laughs> Hopefully we have a new sponsor by that as well. Shout out Maniacs. That's it. <laughs> um, so, look, in ter- I mean, I always like to ask people who are working in the space what you do to sort of manage your own uh, well-being and um, tell me about swimming in the ocean for every day in 2021 because that popped up as uh, a fun fact. Where did, you, where did you find – did I put that in there? Did I Did I let you know that? Maybe. Where, where did I find that? I, I know it. You know it. Okay. Um, is it true? It is 100% true, yes. Yeah, you so swim in the ocean every day in 2021? Every day 2021, yeah. So I, I started the year – yeah, first, second, third, fourth of January was like it's warm. I was like – so went to the beach. It's like, yeah, this is cool. It's like, I wonder if I, I could. to the beach. Honestly. So good. Absolutely. Just for the brain and the well-being. Oh, it's, it's like one of my special places. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I um, only recently got into it as well. The, as in the, the local beach, yeah. Yeah, and, and like because I'm not I'm not a huge pool guy. Yeah. and But the ocean, um, I love. Yeah, absolutely. but the ocean's like a different sensory experience, right? Totally. You know, you're that's nature. You're in the elements. A pool is not like man-constructed nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah, but so, yeah, so I, start, I did swim those first four days and was like, oh, I wonder if I could – I wonder if I could do this the whole year. And I was like, I set myself a challenge and I was like, I'll see if I can go every year. And I knew it was going to be rough. And so I, I did like the first, I remember doing like the first 60 days and being like, oh yeah, it's a long, it's a lot, it's a lot of times to go. And I'm like, yeah. And it's, and then I, then I was like, I got to like, I think it was like the 80th day and I was like, well, I can't stop now. And so then I just, and, it, and that's when winter really started to kind of yeah. 
creep in. Um, and yeah, people often ask me, oh, do you have a wetsuit? And so I was like, nah, just board shorts. I don't own a wetsuit. And so <laughs> I was down, most of my swims were down at just Elwood Beach. Yeah, um, nice. But I made sure that even when I was traveling, I would always find a beach or open water or something like that to you go s- swimming. You say to your people, I need to be near the ocean. Don't, do not book me anywhere. It's not near the ocean. Yeah, not near the ocean. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm lucky because I also lived 5Ks from the beach. So Where do you live? I live in Balaclava. Cool. Yeah. 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 I, I'm in Elston Week. Oh, yeah. Nice. There you go. There you go. So it was easy to get down to Elwood Beach. But yeah, swam the whole whole year. Um, and yeah. And, was, and how was that for you? Yeah, it was it was it was interesting because I, I I didn't set out with the goal of like being like any sort of learning that I think I would get. It was just like, could I do this? And yep. I, I think that's something I do for myself a lot. It's just going, could I do this? And then try and set something hard. And if I do it, then I'm like, well, now I know I can do that. Yeah, that's, that's like, very healthy. It's yeah, it's setting it up. And so I actually, so I did. Well, I mean, I don't really drink anyway, but I did dry and wet. wet people say dry and wet July. I did dry and wet 2021. So I went to the beach swimming every year, every day for the year. Didn't drink for the whole year either. Um, and I don't even like drinking that much either, to be honest. No, I don't really do it. Anymore. I like a whiskey with my dad occasionally. Um, yeah, it's an occasion thing now. It has to yeah. be something like it's. Like I, I feel like I have to mentally commit to drinking now. For me, it's a big lock-in. If I'm going to drink, um, it's like, you know, I, I've actually only drunk a lot once probably in the past few years. Mm. Um, and I, like when it happened, I was like, I, I know why I don't do this often. Yeah. I, I plan to not do this again for some time. Absolutely. My friends always laugh at me because I'm the person that orders tomato juice because that's my <laughs> – I love tomato juice. And so we go out and I'm always like, oh, to the first – I'm like, do you have tomato juice? And they're like, I mean, we can – Get the it from Virgin the, the Bloody Mary? Yeah, they're like Virgin Bloody Mary. I'm like, no, no, just the tomato juice, nothing else. It's fine. Just that's, give me that with classy. ice. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So, yeah. But um, but no, the swimming was good. Was it good for the um, mental health as well as the physical health? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's it's like because you can't – there's no distract. It's, it's, it's the same reason I do yoga. It's mindfulness, right? It's mindfulness. It's the same reason yeah. I do yoga is that like that's – when I'm in the water, you know, even if it's 20 minutes or half an hour or whatever, that's 20 minutes or half an hour. You can't contact me. I'm in the ocean. Yeah. I'm swimming. And I'm experiencing whatever the beach throws at me that yep. day, yep. whether it's calm, whether it's choppy, whether it's dirty water, whether it's clean, whether it's windy, whether it's, you know, the animals are out. Am I going to get, you know, stung by something? <laughs> you know, it is It is what it is. So That's really cool. Yeah. Do you meditate? Uh, do you have a meditation practice sort of beyond all that? Um, these days, oh, I've been a little bit slack recently. I do yoga quite regularly, mm-hmm. so that's kind of my forced meditation i think for do, you, me. do you think that's exercise as well like do you consider that at your exercise i do so like uh, i think for me because I, I used to be a, like a, an avid gym goer and yep. for a long time i was like oh, i just don't the gym is just the environment was not what i wanted yeah and i don't so like gym i loved yoga because it was like i could do exercise i could connect with my body without it being like a hurrah you know lift yeah, something yeah, heavy. yeah yeah i've transitioned back to the gym because i because I, I can kind of bring that yoga mentality to it and still just be calm and because i think yoga is really good for connecting with your breath and things like that that's makes it yeah really kind of good for the soul but uh, yeah but i think that's my main i guess mindfulness practice these days because it's that force you um mindfulness. You, you're a fairly young fella do you have kids no i don't so i don't even have a partner to have kids with well <laughs> you know it's, it's just a matter of some micro yeah. steps you, you know when, yeah. when you're ready yeah <laughs> um, you'll find a, a lovely uh, person out there who also enjoys tomato juice at the bar and it'll just all happen that's, that's, that's how i see that's this what i'm waiting for, for. i'll yep. just look across the bar she'll yeah. have a tomato juice <laughs> i'll have a tomato juice and that'll uh, that'll be that'll, it that'll that, be that's how i envisage this you have to let me know if that's not how it happens because i'll just expect yeah. that to yeah, be yeah, what absolutely happens. i'll keep you updated um but i've noticed that you know i did have a slight meditation practice but I'm also like a, a slightly busy minded person and mm-hmm. busy life and whatever and 
one thing I noticed um, about having a kid, my son's four months old now, um, is like it's the ultimate mindfulness hack. Yeah. You just you just sit there and when you're with your kid or a baby, um, you, you can't do anything else. You yeah. have to be paying for your full attention and it's very enjoyable. There you go. Really That's good. good. I yeah, like that. Connect. But then so, what happens when they're like old enough to like look after themselves? You just treat them like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> just got a 13-year-old <laughs> sitting on yeah, your lap yeah, being yeah. like, I need to meditate. Okay? I, I don't have an answer for that. That's a very good question. I'll let you know in 13 yeah. years. How about yeah. that? Yeah, I love that. I love it. Let me know. <laughs> but it, it has been a good hack for me. And um, well, so you've got yoga. You've got plenty of things going on. So that's really good. Mm. Um, so... Next steps for you in, in your journey for, for Voices of Health, so a bit of VC? Yeah, I mean, we, we're kind of doing pre-seed, even though we're it's, – it's interesting because we do sit in a space where we're quite well-established mm-hmm. in terms of what we've got. You know, there's a lot of people raising pre-seed money that are a pitch deck and that's it. Yeah. Whereas we've been out for a number of you're years. You're a proper established – you're not a startup, you're a scale-up really. We're, right? a, we're a scale-up yeah. essentially, but we are still essentially – pre-revenue because we, yeah. we've done every you know we always committed to making a baseline level of our app free and so while we were doing all of this learning everything we do is for free and so we have to make money our own way wait it's free everything we do is free oh yeah. wow i didn't know that yeah i so, assumed it was paid because you, you said um profit for purpose yeah so the profit hasn't come in yet <laughs> <laughs> just so you're just really burning out on the purpose burning the out on the purpose yeah at the moment <laughs> so yeah because well, you like we, yeah because because we we always committed to equitable access so we said well then at any point, someone should always be able to come onto our app, find an active listener, and at least message them to be able to get some support. Yep. The layers on top of that is where the profit comes in. We also have the, the capacity to license out our technology for any organization that wants that type of platform but with their own community. Fantastic. So we can do that as well. And then I deliver a lot of workshops and things like that for organizations that need active listening. Or So yeah. how do you make a crust? Do you have a day job as well? I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I, well, actually, yeah, up until just recently, I actually sold two of my other businesses just recently okay. as well. Um, that's Definitely not funding what I do with Voice of Health. Yeah. Um, but I, because I'm ex Navy, I, I actually transferred a lot of those skills into teaching workshops okay. around like emergency training, so like advanced first aid, bomb threat training, oh, and stuff fantastic. like that. So I do that um, on the side as well. Um, but yeah, I do I do a few things. You do a lot of things. I do a lot of things. Yeah, I think we need to have a separate podcast. I wasn't prepared for this. No, you didn't put this in your onboarding form, mate. Yeah, I know. Everyone <laughs> thinks I just do voice of health. Yeah, no, there's a few other things on the list, but I am trying to. Everyone thinks I do this if it's any consideration. Yeah, fair enough. Like they, they think I just do humans of purpose. Hey, you do a good job of it, so that's good. It, it's definitely purpose overload. Yeah, <laughs> like yours, um, yeah. mate. How can people connect with you and learn a bit more about your work? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, as, as much as I don't always love LinkedIn, LinkedIn is always a great place. It's an place easy to, entry point. It's an easy entry point. Um, people can message me um, through through LinkedIn if they want. You can email us at Voice of Health or my email. And the website? The website, yeah, www.voiceofhealth.com.au. And they can search for the app in the App Store. Yeah, if you Google talk up in either VOH or Voice of Health in the App uh, Store, you'll find it. I'm going to get it. You should. Yeah, I'll are let you, you know how long you're an lasts. iOS or an Android person. Uh, I don't feel like admitting on a podcast. <laughs> no, okay. I'm an, no, I'm an Android, you, Android person. If you are Android, yeah. there's, a, there's an update coming out Ooh. soon. So it's not quite at the level we want it to be, which is the iOS version. So Android is getting a bit of an update to come to that point. So. I feel like being Android is kind of like being a vegan, you know. <laughs> 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 it's just that kind of like alternative, uh, slightly less desirable streak that many mainstreamers might uh, yeah. not, not No, enjoy. I, I understand. I respect Android, but yeah. it's... it's I will admit that from a development standpoint, when you're harder. developing an app, much yeah. harder because you've got to account for so many different variables yep. that you don't have to with iOS. Yeah. I'm going to go on the app and try and have 75 active listeners listen to me at once. Do you do, you do that? <laughs> I'm one of them, so I'll know. <laughs> Mate, thanks so much for being here today. Not a problem. Appreciate it. 
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.